Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Thursday. Lots of stuff to talk about on the podcast. USC's Pro Day is on Wednesday. Spring football starts up a little bit later on this afternoon. So we're going to talk about all of that stuff with Dan Weber, the beat writer and columnist at uscfootball.com. If you have any questions or comments for us, drop us an email. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. If you want to give us a call, we love that too. We have voicemail to get to today, but 641 615-3900 is the number. Then dial extension 816-646. You can go to our website too, peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page. And you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or mobile device. Uh, We're on the iTunes, so if you want to go on there and subscribe, that would be great. Leave us a five-star rating and uh, some positive feedback. We always love that. We can also find us on Google Play and Audio Boom and TuneIn Radio and Stitcher Radio. Lots of different ways to find us uh, on the interweb. So without further ado, let's bring in Dan Weber. What is up, Dan? How are you? Oh, doing good. Uh, it's great to, after a week off, get back to, to practice and uh, have the uh, have Pro Day sandwiched in on Wednesday. So uh, we uh, we had a week of basketball and then uh, a, now a big week of football. So that's kind of neat. It is kind of neat, and uh, it was a kind of a neat day out there yesterday at USC Pro Day, if you don't know. So at 10 a.m. on Cromwell Field, the players were out there, a lot of uh, NFL scouts, a lot of NFL coaches, uh, a bunch of media, and, of course, players. Um, current players and former players were hanging out mostly in the stands watching. It was closed to the public, so you couldn't come by if you're just a fan. And even if you're an agent of one of the players, you weren't allowed to come into the, the area, which was kind of a new one. So, um, that, you know, we, we talked to a couple of those guys outside, uh, Cromwell Field. They weren't allowed to come in. Uh, but overall, Dan, what were your kind of thoughts of, uh, USC Pro Day? You know what? I, I think more so, I know we'd always in the past, it was like, okay, these guys are in the NFL now. It's a business, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of wrote that today. It was more of a family kind of thing i mean you know hopeful guys uh still feeling very much at home at usc their families are allowed to come so you get this sense of you know family all around uh you know even the guys who you know maybe didn't kind of have the the combine they wanted you know the the offensive lineman damien damien mama and chad wheeler although zach banner said he was real pleased with his combine uh and he you know he felt like he did well, but a chance for them. And I know they were really upbeat about, oh, they had a better day yesterday. You know, they improved here and there. Uh, Chad still got a wrist injury that makes it hard for him to do the bench press. And, uh, Damien still got a pec problem, but he did run faster. And he, but I just liked that They were all kind of, kind of upbeat. I also liked the fact that kind of the family thing was, you know, having Pete Carroll there and, his blogger, Ben Malcolmson, USC grad, you know, former walk-on, and uh, Norm Chow there, and Ken Norton, and uh, just, you know, a lot of places you looked, uh, you saw, you know, Trojans, 
former Trojans. Uh, it was it was kind of kind of neat, uh, and you know, as you said, we talked to to Lee Steinberg, who has uh, you know the Newport Beach agent who's kind of doing his comeback here, and with his son Matt, who is a USC graduate, and um, they have their first USC player signed, and Chad Wheeler. So there was kind of a sense of that, you know, kind of family thing, and it was it was pretty nice and. And ended up pretty much talking to Adori, who, where a lot of the others talked about coming back to USC after training, uh, you know, for the combine and training for the NFL. Adori didn't have to because he's still there. I mean, he was talking about his class in Orson Welles films and, uh, gerontology and he's, uh, gonna pick up 12 more hours this, uh, semester. And then, uh, uh, He's only 12 away from his, uh, his degree. And it's just, it's always fun to talk to Dora. He's, he's an interesting kid. He's got so much going about different things and he has a different take on things. I know when the USC, one of the, you know, PR minders came by and said, last question. And Dory said, no, 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 I'll stay here as long as you want. No, I, you know, don't, don't have to hurry me along. Well, <laughs> the NFL network wanted him for an interview. But that's been our, you know, our history with Adore. He'll stay and talk to you and as long as you want and answer every, every question. And you realize how, how you, how much you like these kids. And, and now they're, you know, you're not covering them as USC players, but you just sort of know them as, 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 as kids that you've watched, uh, you know, grow up and develop. And you're, you know, just like their families, you're pulling for them. And, uh, you know, hope it all works out for him. And, and that's kind of what yesterday was like. It just, it did have a different feel. You're, you're right. Yeah, a little bit different feel, but it was fun seeing some of the former coaches and former players. Um, you know, guys you see a lot like a Sean Cody, but we saw like Brandon Hancock, who I haven't seen in a long time. Fred Davis, I got to talk to him for a little while. You know, it was cool to kind of see him, uh, walking around. And it was funny. One of the, he wasn't the USC wide receiver coach for long, but it was John Morton, if you remember him. Yep. Uh, he yep. was there, and I, I, I don't know where he, he was is. actually trying to. I said, "Where have you been since you know?" And he, he went down a list of teams, you know. And I know uh, uh, the 49ers for four years, and the Saints for a couple of years, and 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 I said, "Now where are you?" And he said, oh, "He's with the Jets." And I think, "Oh, okay." I said, "Man, it." It is hard to keep up with you guys, and uh, <laughs> it, it, it's kind of neat. I know Norm Chow came by, and yeah. we're talking to him when when Pete came up, and Pete was shaking hands, and 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 I said to Pete, I said, Norm, just because we're in the middle of all this building that's going on at USC now, and a lot of those guys, you know, McKay Center wasn't there when they uh, when they were coaching, and Norm looked at Pete, you know, Norm said to Pete, you know, that you know he gave Pete credit for. This is all because of you building all this. <laughs> Pete looked like, oh, no, 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 don't say that. He said, there were a lot of people before me. I was just one of the, one of the guys that, you know, that came along. So it was, was kind of nice, a lot of nice little moments like that. Uh, but one of the other things you found out, two things about why Pete is Pete. One, Sean Cody said, he said that Pete came up and said, and, and wanted to know all about Stevie Tuikalavatu. How good, you know, can he be a legitimate, uh, you know, run stopper at nose and, and what Sean thought about him. And Sean said, 
he's going to play 12 years in the NFL. You know, more than Sean Hayes. He's one of those guys that's never going to get injured. Great attitude. Real, real, and he looked really good yesterday. I thought Stevie did. And then the other thing with from Pete was, according to Adoree, Pete was the only coach about playing both ways, and it was the first one that raised the possibility of of also playing offense. So I thought that probably shows where Pete, as he always said, wanted to think outside the box, but but he wasn't somebody who's limited to just seeing the Dory as a, as a def- defensive back and a, and a, you know, kick returner. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of nice to see stuff like that come full circle. For sure. It was funny. The, uh, I regret not going and I, I tried to talk to John Morton, but he was talking to someone that I didn't get to go back around to him. It was funny when he was at USC, uh, and Dan Wykey, Dan, I don't think you were the beat writer for us at that time, right? Like you covered, or was that before? Do you remember? That was before. I yeah, I wasn't the beat writer when he was here. Okay, so um, so Dan, I was the beat writer at uh, uh for the for Riverside. So you were still he, okay. I, I mean, I covered him. Yeah. Okay. So then I was so Dan Wykey was our beat writer. He's now at the LA Times covering the Clippers. He was actually at the Orange County Register for years, and he just moved over. Um, but I was substituting on Dan Wykey's like softball team up in El Segundo. And he was playing first base and I was playing shortstop. And then the team we were playing, John Morton was on. So it was like, I think it was like in July. It's like when they had actually a, a little bit of time off. And so Dan and I go like, Hey, what's up, man? Um, he was playing like outfield. Like he's really fast. He was an NFL wide receiver, you know? And, uh, I remember right. he hit a ball, like a, a hard ground ball, like in the hole or something that I snagged and I threw him out at first and he just kept running right to the outfield. <laughs> he didn't want to talk about it ever since. So I wanted to go and see if he remembered that, but I do. Cause I thought it was kind of oh, funny. That's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was great to see. And like you mentioned, Fred Davis, uh, one of the things Fred said, uh, he's still in DC working like crazy, hoping he gets another chance. Uh, he gets to come back. He looks like he's in great shape. Uh, but he said, uh, I hear USC's got another tight end. He said, really can play a kid from Florida. And I said, yeah, Daniel, the modern baby, I think he's, uh, he said, well, it'd be time for, it's time for USC to have another Mackey Award winner. So, uh, Fred's all, all upbeat about, uh, Daniel from everything he's heard. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's good. We wish him the best. Hopefully, uh, you know, he seemed kind of upbeat about stuff. And, you know, I talked with him a little bit about, just seeing people coming through the program, like he was asking how the site's doing. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're, you know, I told we, we moved over to Scout a couple of years ago, but it's just funny to see you guys. And like, you know, he wasn't someone we covered as much because he was in Ohio, but like a, like a Mark right. Sanchez, you know, covered him when he was like 16 years old in high school. And then you see him through college and you see him, you know, you don't see him much in the NFL, but like to run into him at the Rose Bowl after the game and have him, you know, give you a bro hug and say hello and talk. It's just funny. Like, yeah, you're, there's a kid you've known them for like their whole adult lives, which is kind of strange, you know, but it's, it's, you know, kind of a fun part of what we do. Yeah, no, I thought yesterday was just had a really nice, uh, nice vibe. And you get a chance to say kind of good luck and goodbye to, you know, to Zach and, uh, you know, uh, Damien and, and Chad. And, and, and it's more of a personal kind of a thing when you when you think about it uh, than than just covering the football part of it uh, as big a part as that is you're just uh you know telling them you wish them well and uh and 
appreciate, you know, they've been, uh, you know, you try to be, you know, really nice to them in, in terms of how we cover them, and they try to be nice to us. And I, I thought it was just one of those moments where you got a chance to to, to deal with them just as, uh, you know, young men are, you know, trying to get their uh, get their careers off to a, a start. And I think for some of them, we really don't know how it's going to go. And then there were two, the two kids who probably gave up a lot coming to USC, uh, uh, Daquan Hampton and, and, and Isaac Whitney, both uh, junior college, uh, so they only had two years, and there was a pretty big adjustment, I think, for both of them year one. And, uh, you know, at a position where, as it turned out, USC just had a lot more talent and depth than I, I think maybe anybody realized, so neither one of them, you know, got that great a chance to – to show necessarily what they could do. Daquan had, you know, the, the one big game, uh, Washington. And, uh, but both of them showed up so well. I mean, uh, Isaac Whitney ran a 4-4-140, which would have been the fourth fastest time if he'd have gone to the combine of all wide receivers, faster by a tenth of a second than, uh, or a hundredth of a second than a Dory. Uh, Daquan had the, uh, uh, 21, uh, reps. Uh, for a wide receiver, that's great at the bench press, 225 pounds. But then he also had the uh, 41 and a half inch vertical, which I think is the best vertical ever for a USC guy. And uh, uh, was he uh, 11 foot uh, broad jump? So he had some really good, just terrific numbers, the kind of numbers. And at 6'3", 223 pounds, those are going to get him. Uh, a lot of workouts. Uh, those are numbers that are going to be really good for Daquan. And I think, and I told, you know, I told him, and I think uh, the same thing for Isaac. There are a number of guys who probably had better pro careers than they did USC careers and longer and, and more chance to play. And I said, you know, both of you guys probably are in that, you know, category where you get in the right place, you get in the right opportunities and what have you. Uh, who knows? So, and, and that's obviously what they're, you know, they're open for. Although I think Isaac was, has always been very, very proud of the fact that he's leaving with a USC degree as well. That, that that's one of the greatest, you know, he, actually I think he said it. That was the, of all the things that, that he's done, you know, getting his USC degree is the, the greatest thing that, that he's accomplished. So, yeah, yeah. Wish those guys well, and uh, think they've got a chance to to do you know, just get get with the right team, and get with somebody who give you a chance, and uh, and that'd be uh, that'd be wonderful to see. Yeah, it's funny. Like a guy like DeQuan Hampton, you look at, and he's a you know uh, that's like freaky kind of combine numbers or uh, testing numbers. And I was looking, and I was like, I wonder if he had more career catches than he had. Um, uh, repetitions on the bench press, which he had 21, which was really good. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that was like second best among wide receivers, but it was actually the, the 41 vertical was like second best, I think, among wide receivers. I don't know what yes. the, the, uh, the 21, but, uh, do you, do you have a guess how many career receptions Daquan Hampton has? Boy, it'd be right there, wouldn't it? It'd be close. It's close. I think, I believe he had 15 his junior year and then only seven, um, this past year. So he you know, he beats it by by one. So he has twenty two. And yet every time he got a chance, and that's not to say he should have gotten more chances or he shouldn't. It's just whenever he got a chance, he performed. Yeah. I mean, he was you know he was. Uh, it's just 
you know, you're at that position. You, you know, you got Juju there. You got Deontay coming along. You, you know, Stephen Mitchell. You have, uh, you know, Adoree getting his share of, of, of catches. It just was one of those things that stuff happens. Uh, and now you wish uh, he does really get his chance. But he, I mean, he will not, not look like he can't play. If he goes to the NFL, wherever he goes, who's ever camp he goes to, people are going to look at him and say, you know, uh, this kid has to be able to play. I mean, he just, uh, you know, he, he certainly got better catching the ball. I know he pulled a little bit. He ran a four six six with a little bit of a pull, and he wanted to show him he could do it. But, uh, uh, but I think he'll run better than that when he, he doesn't have that little bit of a, uh, you know, hamstring pull. But, uh, you know, you just wish him the best. Yeah, so I think those guys helped themselves. Like I thought, Jordan Simmons looked like he ran uh, pretty well. We'll see, you know, what the scouts think of the. Yeah, drills. he was at three hundred and thirty-nine pounds. I thought he ran real well. I thought he did all the things. That, but we've seen him do that. There's no question. His footwork is set up. Is is good. He he looks like. I mean, he he. You know, absolutely. When you look at him, you say, "There's an NFL player." Now, if that knee knee would hold up. Uh, who knows? And, and you know, you know, a guy like Anthony Munoz at USC didn't ever make All-American, always was fighting a knee injury. I remember I was in Cincinnati at the time when they drafted him, and he didn't miss a game. I don't know if he missed a, our NFL career. Uh, so, you know, what you do in college isn't always, you know, predictive. You know, he turns out not an All-American at USC and maybe – the greatest NFL, you know, offensive lineman of all time. And, uh, you just never know. But, uh, so yeah, I think Jordan has got a chance. Um, one guy that, uh, I had a right hamstring, uh, injury that I thought really could have helped himself at pro day, which I'm not sure what's going to happen now is Leon McQuay, uh, who wasn't at the NFL combine. So this was going to be kind of his time to shine. Didn't get to run. Um, didn't get to do DB drills. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Leon McQuay? I'm not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean Leon, he's pretty upbeat about the fact that in a few weeks he's going to be okay and he's going to be able to, you know, start doing, uh, uh, you know, individual workouts and things like that. And you never know; he might be the kind of kid where somebody will look at. I mean, he's six two, one ninety seven. I mean, he's just exactly right, and he's got the Penn State game. And he might be the kind of guy who somebody says, well, we can steal this guy. You know, what he's got to do is find somebody who uh, says, you know, we're going to take a chance on him. Uh, we've got enough information uh, to know that this kid can play. I mean, I think the Penn State game just uh, does him wonders. Uh, actually, uh, he had the uh, the uh, Nebraska game in the Holiday Bowl also. I mean, he's. He's been a kid who's made big plays and really, you know, come up and, and, and done some, some very good things. So, um, but he was pretty upbeat about it. He wasn't letting it get him down, uh, the fact that his hamstring wouldn't let him go yesterday. Um, yeah, we'll have to see. Hopefully, you know, you wish him the best kind of going forward. Um, I wanted to switch into, unless there's anything else you want to talk about from the pro day into some no, of that's our, great. Yep. our questions from, uh, yeah, interesting day out there. Questions from fans from spring football. Some of them are from a week ago. We didn't, uh, I don't think we had you on last week, right? Did we not do one or? No, I think it was basketball week. Oh last yeah. Week. It was basketball. So, and we had shotgun on earlier. 
Uh, I don't. Th- we're going to skip uh, Harvey Hyde this week. I talked to him. He's in. Uh, he's on secret assignment. We could have squeezed one in, but I, th- I wanted to get Dan in because of pro day stuff, and he was there for that. So we'll get Harvey Hyde back on Monday and get his thoughts. He'll be out of practice on Saturday, so we'll get some thoughts from practice on him. So if you have any more yeah. questions for Harvey Hyde, you can send those in, um, and we'll knock out the ones that you guys have sent in for Dan right now. Um, first is Stephen Poway. He said, given the lack of experience at wide receiver this year, how critical is it that Stephen Mitchell is returning for his final year of eligibility, hopefully in good health? Fight on, Steve and Poway. Yeah, I think they're they're focused on on getting young guys to be consistent at practice and to be consist play consistent with their talent. And so, you know, that's the that's the challenge with uh, a lot of guys with with a great deal of talent who know they're pretty good. And, you know, haven't really gotten a chance to show it in games. And, and how does that, how does that, uh, you know, play out? I know, uh, talking to, uh, T the other day, he really thinks that it plays out by consistency in practice. And I think that's where, uh, uh, you know, a veteran like Stephen Mitchell can really help you. Is, is showing up, uh, and, uh, he's been there, you know, he's still rehabbing, obviously, that, the knee surgery, but he's there every day, and I think, you know, having that presence, that, that veteran, uh, really matters. I think having Jalen Green, uh, having Deontay Burnett, kind of a young, young veteran, but stepping up, not a, a real vocal guy, but, um, but I think when we talked to Deontay last, the first week, he talked about the responsibilities of being a leader. So you see more and more of that. And I think at the wide receiver position, especially because of the, uh, uh of the youth, uh, there and the talent and the potential there. Uh, so Stephen Mitchell will definitely play into that, uh, you know, as a veteran leader, uh, returning, you know, for his last year and, uh, and making sure things go right. I mean, we see how, how important, uh, Darius Rogers was last year. Uh, is that second guy with, uh, with, uh, Juju, who, you know, just did some of those things that veterans do. Uh, you look at, at Darius and his times maybe yesterday numbers weren't all that great, but he made a lot of, a lot of great plays for USC football over the years. And, uh, you know, you, you have to respect and he just get, kept getting better and better, uh, because he just, did whatever it took. You know, he may not be able to run past people all that well all the time, but, but he could make the tough catches. He could run the, you know, the good routes. He could, you know, get the yards after the catch. And, uh, and that's what you're looking for, uh, you know, with that group. We have one from Tarek. He said, thoughts on John Houston so far. Is he looking bigger? He, you know, I don't know if he's looking a whole lot heavier, a little bit, uh, you know, a few pounds. He, he looks a little more mature physically, uh, maybe not the, you know, the same. And, and it was hard to measure him when he came in because of that back. And, uh, he just wasn't healthy, didn't feel good, uh, wasn't able to, you know, show you what he could do. Uh, he looks different from last year. Last year he was a special teams guy and, you know, you could see glimpses. But this year, with him in there, you know, right now as the starter opposite, you know, Cameron on the inside of the wheel, he really, uh, 
he can cover. I mean, you just notice how how fast he can run. I mean, he and how quickly he can get from here to there. And if they blitz him or if they you know have him in coverage, he can flat out fly. And I think he complements Cam Smith really well. I, I really like the look of of the two of them. I think last year Michael Hutchings complimented uh, Cam because of his smarts and his toughness and just knowing everything to do, you know, perfectly and all of that. But uh, John could add an extra dimension just because of his his athleticism. I mean, he can just fly around the field. So, so I'm, you know, I'm pretty optimistic about what John brings, uh, you know, to the to the table. The way he's looking right now, he looks just really healthy and. Uh, he looks like the guy that everybody, you know, thought he could be as that, you know, five star coming out of high school. Um, we had a Stephen Poway sent a couple more in, so I'm gonna to read these ones. Now this happened when I was uh, on vacation, so I, really, I haven't really even dug into this yet, and I should. Um, he said, "I understand that modern day senior kicker Chase McGrath has committed to USC. Do you know if he will be granted a scholarship, and do you know if he would be eligible to blue shirt?" I don't know that we've talked about. We haven't asked about that. We've got to do. You're right. We got to, you know, uh, figure out what what's going on there. So, uh, and I don't even know what they're allowed to say uh, about that. You know, when we're talking blue shirt and all that. So, but good question. We will find out. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how much they're allowed to say. You know, publicly or even. Not publicly, you know. I I don't know what what the uh, what the answer to that is. But I, I'm not sure you can really talk. We well, can't talk about anybody you're recruiting anyway. And um, the whole blue shirt thing adds another dimension to it. So uh, let's uh, let's see what we can what we can find out. For sure, yeah. And I, you know, and I apologize. Like I was gone. I didn't really. It's a kicker. I wasn't like all that. Uh, I didn't like. Oh, I need to find out what's going on here. So I apologize. Um, but I. My gut is it would be like a blue shirt sort of thing where he'll come in, but I honestly do not know. Um, we'll check it out. Uh, I don't know if, and Gerard tries not to pay attention to these things either. Shotgun probably would know, but, um, we'll find, we'll talk about it at practice and Steve, we can uh, kind of bring that up. He also wanted to know about the scholarship distribution chart, how many are available. So I think I have uh, 84 right now. If, uh, if Chase McGrath is added, that would go to 85 and that still includes, um, Three of the walk-ons, which they're out practicing, so you assume they're still on scholarship. We don't know. If there was a transfer or something coming in, then one of them would probably have had to drop off of scholarship. Uh, could be like a Matt Lopes, who's, you know, would get free tuition anyway. Um, but yeah, so as of now, I, I don't think anything's changed, right, Dan? I think that's still the, uh, I don't think so. Count. I think yeah. the, the deal on the, the walk-on scholarships is essentially there for a year. And, you know, a lot of times they go to seniors who are ready to graduate. And I think Matt could graduate if he wanted. I think he was, you know, in between about whether he came back or not. And it certainly looks like he decided to come back, and, and that's great. Uh, but I think they do have some flexibility there, uh, depending on how things, you know, play out down the road. But, but it is nice, finally, after all this time, to maybe – have to be doing some maneuvering around the 85 number. That, that would be, uh, you know, they've had to do plenty of maneuvering around the, you know, 25 initial, you know, scholarship number. But uh, to be able to actually have a full squad and maybe have to, 
you know, do this or do that in order to, you know, keep it at right at, you know, the 85 is, is great. So, but I know the one thing about the whole blue shirt thing is it can't happen until the, after the first day of fall practice. So when you're in the middle of spring practice, you'd probably say, okay, we can wait. That'll be another, that, that's for another day. Uh, and so the whole thought of a blue shirt allows you to say, We'll, we'll, we'll handle that when it comes around. Yeah, I think that's, that's the case pretty much there. So, um, but we'll find out. We'll see what we can find out from, uh, USC and from practice. Um, we had the last part of the question was, how likely is it that EJ Price returns to the team this summer? And if he does, would he be considered the front runner for the open left tackle spot? That's Stephen Poway again. Yeah. I'm really trying to, uh, put people off of the whole thought of him coming back. Uh, and if he does, it will be some kind of a, 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 a maybe a, an unplanned bonus. But I really don't think the idea that that they would like to see him get squared away and the fact that he's still in school and all of that is connected to him returning to the team. I think it's connected to him returning to play football somewhere next year because I think they believe that he really needs football to make his life uh, happen the way it really needs to happen. But I don't know that they believe that that's, he needs USC football or that USC football needs him at this point. I think they're really separate issues. And so I know it's hard for USC fans to separate the football part of this the USC football part of this from the EJ Price getting his himself together at USC right now. Uh, but I think he should. I think, you know, he may get his, get himself together in ways in which people say, wow, that's great. Or, you know, we're happy for him. And still, that may not, uh, you know, result in him being a USC football player next year. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't think the two are connected. I really don't. I know that's probably almost impossible to believe if you understand how the world, <coughs> excuse me, how big time college football works. I mean, there are probably very few places where you could say that, uh, you know, that if the coach is really involved and if they're doing whatever it takes to, you know, help a, you know, a kid get squared away, they're not doing it for the kid necessarily. They're doing it for their football program. But but I don't think that's the case with USC. And secondly, I'm not sure the EJ Price, you know, that we saw was the five-star kid. I don't know if he, you know, how the evaluations went and how he became, you know, that player. I just don't think we saw that player uh, in fall, last fall. I just, I, I, I didn't. And so, uh to say that he'd be the leading candidate, I think that's kind of a paper thing, you know, where you look and say, well, he was a five-star, and he, he he just he didn't ever look to me like he was 6'5 and 325 to start with. I just didn't, I didn't hear that sense. So uh, uh, I think if, if, he, if he's back and if he's on the team, which I think is a little bit of a longer shot than a lot of people think is the case, I think you have to really, you know, bust his tail to to be in the picture and be in the mix. I mean, I think 
they give him a chance if if they bring him back if they let him come back, but uh, but I don't think there'd be anything just given to him uh, because of his status when he was being recruited. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's kind of unlikely. And then you know, and just to see the uh, little bit of a scuffle that we saw uh, on Tuesday, Dan, do you think something yeah. like that would give caution? Like, hey, do we want you know? Because there was someone, you know. He was someone that we're talked about that there, you know, caused some potential locker room issues. I don't know if the, the little fight you know, after practice was, was that, but I mean, it could lead to something like that. There were some, you know, issues with teammates and teammates being encouraged not to hang out, you know, hang out with him or not to be around. And, you know, there was, you know, the, the anger management issues involving, you know, somebody on the staff and that kind of thing. I, I mean, there, there are some real hurdles, uh, for, for EJ. So, and again, wish him all the best. I think he got good advice from people back home who basically said, don't come back, you know, and I think it's the smartest thing to do to stay at USC. Let's face it. The only place he can play division one football next year and <laughs> is USC. I mean, he can go somewhere and play at a lower division right away. He can go play junior college. And then try to come back the year after. But, you know, by far it's the smartest thing. If he wants to play at a really good big time program, uh, there's only one that he can do that at next year. So it's clearly in his best interest to, uh, you know, make this happen. And whether he has the ability to, you know, to make it happen or not, uh, again, I think it's, it's a, it's a hard pull. For, for, for him to get that done. He's, uh, he's just kind of in a different place. Uh, and, and that whole, you know, being part of the team and, and really, you know, getting everybody to feel like you're part of the team. He's got some, you know, he's got some things to overcome, uh, as a result of his, you know, his freshman year. So, uh, I don't know that we can even begin to, to guess how that plays out, but, uh, yeah, no, it'll, and we're not going to know. I mean, we're, there's just no way we can know how that how that kind of personal interaction. I mean, he's still in the dorm, you know, with with a lot of those uh, you know kids that were recruited, you know, in the same class with him. And uh, so, how that all you know day to day works out, uh, I don't think we're going to be privy to. But uh, but I would get the whole. Well, he could come back and give USC, you know, an all-American offensive tackle and they need one. And I just, I wouldn't, I would not go there in terms of trying to figure this out. Yeah. And it's funny, like, uh, you know, he'll be around. We see, uh, I saw Cleo Rogers out there yesterday watching Pro Day. He's still around. Um, I guess it's hard to leave USC, Dan. You know, Dory Jackson's still taking classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, I always thought, I know Khalil has signed with, uh, Iowa State, I guess. But, uh, I don't know if you sign or what you do exactly in, in those, that kind of a, you know, situation. He needs, uh, his spring classes to graduate. If you remember, um, what's his, uh, the quarterback who went to, well, I can't even think of his name, went to Hawaii. Max Weber. And he yeah. needed, yeah, and he needed, and he didn't make it, didn't get those. Classes and uh, I'm thinking, uh, what if Khalil decided, you know what? I'd probably rather stay at you. 
I don't know. Is he in some no man's land? Could he? I mean, I'm not starting this to start, uh, you know, any kind of, you know, speculation or whatever. It just hit me. What if he decided, oh, you know, I want to stay. Maybe I'll just stay. Uh, what would that do? You know, I don't know. Does he have a, you know, a commit, a, you know, are there ways in which you can commit to your next school as a grad transfer if you haven't graduated yet and all that? I don't know. There are a lot of rules that we probably still need to keep checking on because stuff happens that, that's, that's not exactly ever happened before. Cause usually a kid, in a graduate transfer, he's gone. Then you know he's graduate. You know he's a graduate transfer. They're not usually here. Uh, you know, because usually they want them to be at their next school for spring practice. Because when you've only got a year, uh, uh, you'd love to have them at spring practice so that they're ready to go when you get to the summer. So Khalil, when he goes to Iowa State will only get, you know, that summer practice and then he's got a you know, got his senior year and that's it. So who knows? There's all kinds of these, you know, graduate transfer, blue shirt, you know, all you know, who walk ons and scholarship, you know, limits and all that kind of thing. It's uh it's uh a lot of stuff just keeps happening that that there are no hard and fast, like the E.J. Price situation, there are no hard and fast rules or answers. And a lot of times people try to figure those things out before they happen. And I know my sense is always let it play out. You'll know eventually. You can't know before it happens because it might not really be knowable. You just see what happens. Let's uh, move on. Christian had a question. He said, I remember last year, Shotgun Spratling made it a point to comment on a single-day USC dedicated to emphasizing tackling techniques during fall camp, which was, in his point of view, not enough. Uh, do you think USC will dedicate any single practices out of the remainder of spring camp to tackling techniques and physical development? If they don't, do you think they should? Or do you think the do you think they, let's see, or do you think they multi-emphasis tackling and physicality while installing their offense and defensive packages well already? Uh, and then small question, do you think uh, Liam Jimmins is ready to have a similar role in playing time as Christian Rector did last season? So thanks. USC Parastyle Podcast, fight on from Christian. Yeah, I think the when you do that kind of a single emphasis, uh, that's mostly for uh kind of a show or kind of for you know you just really want to make your point i don't think it actually necessarily helps you tackle any better i think that's you've got to do that right every day at practice they've already uh emphasized uh form tackling and uh angles and all of that kind of, you know angled uh, pursuit and angled tackling and and I think they're doing more shoulder tackling and I think they're, they're, they're going more to the stuff that Pete Carroll has been teaching at, at, in Seattle, you know, at Seattle and, uh, more effective, uh, because you get your body more in, in the way and, and, uh, and, and much safer because you're not trying to, you know, drill somebody with your helmet. And so, uh, but they're doing more of that already. You, we see it 
and it looks good. You really like, you know, and I think because they combine the whole, uh, you know, under control, but coming at speed and, uh, and, and, and centering up on somebody. And, um, I just think, uh, that's something you have to do every day. And it has to be part of everything you do. And they know, and I think the, uh, Rose Bowl reinforced it, that they got out of, out of control, out of lanes, um, uh, over pursuit, they over pursued, did things like that and just didn't rap. And, uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, emphasis on that. And, uh, having a guy like, for example, Jamel Cook, uh, one of the reasons he's on the field now as, uh, knowing that he can play safety, but the thought that he'd be the, the, uh, slot cover guy, the nickel, uh, with his pursuit, his quickness, his size at six four, he can play man. He can, you know, run with receivers anywhere. But the thing I like is he's so aggressive supporting the run. I mean, he is really good, but he doesn't over pursue. He's totally under control. I mean, to see a guy get get to the edge as quickly as he does to support the run, but he doesn't run by the play. He doesn't run by the ball. He he's very much under control, and you're seeing more and more of that. I think he'll going to have a, a good influence on everybody just by being on the field because he does his technique is so good. So so yeah, I think the whole tackling issue is something that is already being emphasized and will be emphasized all throughout the year because I think they understand as much as we talk about uh, offense and as much as you know the focus is on Sam and the tight ends and the wide receivers and Rojo, uh, I think they think, and I think I, I don't disagree, that this defense with the, the athletes that they're going to put on the field, the quickness that they're going to have, the ability to, to do what Clancy wants to do in terms of playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage, uh, because they're going to know what they're doing, uh, having a year of, uh, uh, you know, uh, playing this defense and all the, it's a communication heavy defense where you really have to know what you're doing. And I think they're going to have, I think they think this defense can be really special. And, uh, and, you know, it was in the Rose Bowl when it had to be. And it, at other times it wasn't. And I think they, you know, they look at that fourth quarter of the Rose Bowl and say, this is the, this is the way we have to play defense, where they shut out Penn, Penn State had 49 points in three quarters and didn't score again. And uh, you know if this if this team shows up and plays that kind of defense every week next year, they are going to be in really good shape. And so I think you know I think a big part of that is is the whole tackling, pursuit angles, under control, and and being very very quick and athletic and aggressive so so i think that'll be an everyday occurrence at practice what about liam jimmins oh i think liam that's a good comparison liam and 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 yeah i think he's got the chance to step up and be that next guy who gives you some some good minutes i think they're going to have uh, a chance for three rotations uh you know on the defensive line and uh with some athletic Guys with, with good quickness, with some young guys, some veteran guys, and a, and a couple of guys like Liam haven't really gotten a chance to show, you know, what they can do, but, uh, 
But I like the looks of, of, of their offensive line, which allows them to do, or their defensive line, which allows them to do some of the things Clancy, you know, wants to do in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, being really aggressive. But yeah, I think he's, he's, uh, he's the next guy to be able to step up where, you know, Christian did last year. Um, Earl in West LA actually had a question about Khalil Rogers, um, which we, we kind of talked about already. So hopefully Earl, uh, Dan answered your question about that. Um, we're going to have a voicemail question. Let me play this one for you, Dan. Hey guys, this is uh, Daniel out of Los Angeles. Um, just had a quick question, um, for the recruiting podcast or any podcast that would be able to answer this. Uh, just wondering, um, is USC its own culprit when student athletes, specifically football and basketball, leave, uh, school early? Uh, to pursue a professional career. And what I mean by that, um, if you think of any other conferences, and you know what, I'll throw the California Pac-12 schools in the mix as well. When you, when you think of other conferences, specifically the Pac, um, the Power Five, um, not many other schools, maybe the Big Ten, not many other, uh, conferences academically can stack up against a USC, UCLA, Stanford, Berkeley, University of Washington, all in one conference. So with that, uh, with that being said, do uh, do these students um, feel a lot more comfortable with the academic uh, uh, degree that they're going to have uh, behind them to go ahead and leave school early? Because it could almost be like almost a win-win scenario for them. Either they make it in the pros or they don't, but they still have that USC uh, degree. They have that UCLA degree. They have that Stanford degree behind them. So either way, they can, they're setting themselves up for, so for success. So, and um, with that being said. Do you think the Pac-12 schools are more of a disadvantage for kids leaving early because they know they have the academic background behind them in that degree, uh, you know, for their future? Uh, just a, just a thought. Just wondering. Um, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but thanks, guys. Peristyle Podcast is the best. You know, there is, I mean, I saw Lisa notice there were times at Notre Dame when things weren't going so well that uh, I still remember following him, you know, with Jerry Faust as the coach there, and I knew Jerry a little bit. And you realize their players knew they were going to be pretty good coming out with the Notre Dame degree. And they knew football wasn't going all that well. And so you got the sense at times that maybe they were kind of dissatisfied that, okay, I'll make the Notre Dame degree work for me as, as much as the football thing. You really, you do want to have a balance. And there's no question. When you put the Pac-12 up against every other, you know, conference, uh, it's just, uh, you know, you go to the, I'm not thinking of the SEC, you, you got Vanderbilt as a, as a close to a top 25 program, uh, academically, small school, but, you know, some really good professional schools. Then maybe you got the University of Florida as, uh, might be a top 50 school. But when you look at the Pac-12, you know, you got, you know, Stanford and Cal and UCLA and USC who in, you know, the, the one survey all would be top 25 schools. I mean, nobody's even close to that. I mean, it just, uh, there's no other conference. And then, as you said, with Washington, um, uh, gives you another, you know, top 50 school. And so, uh, the Pac-12 is, is kind of in, a, in its own place. I mean, the big, big 12, you got Texas. Um, the, um, of a Big Ten, 
Uh, you got Northwestern, and then you know you've got some obviously some, Michigan. and it changes the different you know departments and programs, and you know schools like at Illinois might have you know great architecture school or whatever. But um, uh, the Big Ten has some you know some nice programs, not the same kind of top twenty-five programs that you have you know with the Pac-12. So so I guess you know again there's that sense of uh, uh, I'm going to come out of it with a USC degree or, or, you know, a degree from one of those schools. So I'm going to be in pretty good shape. I mean, and that's the challenge for the, you know, the program and the coaches where you don't want to give them that choice. You want them to be able to be just as, uh, you know, motivated because of a great football program as, as the academic program. And usually that's not a problem. Because, uh, you know, you're getting kids who, you know, their whole life, you know, they want to go to the next level and they want to compete at the highest level. But, uh, you know, but if you let the program, you know, kind of wander a little bit, uh, they do have something else to fall back on. And that's a good thing. You want them to have, have that whole, you know, degree and that, uh, you know, uh, family connection with, you know, uh, job opportunities and, and things like that. That, that they have at, at USC. But, uh, but it's a good observation. There's nobody even close to the Pac-12 in the Power Five, Power Five conferences. Uh, I guess, uh, Atlantic Coast, you got Duke and Virginia and North Carolina. It would be ones that would, you know, challenge, uh, you know, for top 25. They're smaller, probably smaller schools, uh, in some ways. Maybe not have the, you know, the breadth of, of the, you know, the, the Pac-12 schools. But um, that's a good observation about the academics. One last one for you, Dan. Well, it's a two-parter from Ron in Northern Virginia. First, he wants to know, is the number five retired or can it be reissued to another player? Either the number is retired because he won the Heisman Trophy or it's available for reissue because he's no longer being recognized. What does the athletic department, why does the athletic department put it in Jersey pur- uh, Purgatory? a really good question uh for example if the ncaa says you can't have any you know reference reggie bush didn't exist he's out of the record book you can't have a you know his jersey up in the, in the coliseum you can't and you wonder well then if he's erased then you could use that jersey for somebody else uh i would guess uh, because reggie bush doesn't exist as far as the NCA is concerned, or as far as USC is supposed to be concerned. I, I, I think that would be maybe at this point in time asking a lot to give that to somebody. I mean, I think it's just as much, you know, as, as the whole giving a, a, you know, middle linebacker number 55. And, and that's a, you know, that, that's been made into, you know, such a, uh, you know, a thing that, uh, and maybe more so than it should be. I, I think, you know, I, I may, very much do not care about numbers guy. I mean, the whole, you know, who's going to be wearing what number and all that, I really don't care. I mean, I think a lot of that came in. It's like the more it happened, it seemed like it was maybe Lane as much as anybody. And Lane, you know, he took advantage of whatever he could take advantage of and push those, you know, those scenarios out there about what number you could wear and, the single digits and all that kind of thing. I'm kind of somebody that just 
doesn't care about those numbers. And the whole retired number thing never made any sense, you know, with me at all. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe the Yankees retired Babe Ruth number three and the Garrick's number four. And okay, that's fine. But, but if you're not Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig or, you know, one of those guys, I, I just, I don't see retiring, retiring numbers or, you know, getting all excited about, you know, who's, who's the next guy in the number. Although I do think with Reggie right now, the focus would be so heavy on uh, a guy wearing number five that you probably wouldn't want to do that to anybody. But, uh, and I didn't mind having, you know, uh, Ronald Jones wear number four to honor, you know, Joe McKnight in the Rose Bowl. And, uh, I, I thought that was, that was a really nice thing to do. But, but I think we can go over, overboard on the whole numbers thing. And, um, I'd like to play it down as, as much as possible. And the last part of his question was, what, if any, repercussions could the NCAA impose if Reggie Bush were to lead the team out of the tunnel for the Texas game? Could the NCAA issue new sanctions if he were to show up at practice or lead the team out of the tunnel on game day? I'm one of the many alum who is very upset by what Reggie Bush and his family did to our school, but we, not the NCAA, should decide the terms of re-engagement with our university. Ron in Northern Virginia. Ron, you're absolutely right. No question about it. That's USC's call. I mean, I I would I'd have trouble making the call in some ways just because of, of the other issues. I was talking to somebody the other day. Probably have it in the war room about the essential crucial mistake in the whole Reggie Bush NCAA thing that that came down to Reggie uh, himself uh, and uh, uh, but I don't think that's the NCAA's call they've never done it to anybody else Reggie if you put a scale of just the Heisman Trophy winners uh, in terms of who you know uh, maybe uh, violated NCAA rules Reggie wouldn't even be in the top half uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the kinds of things, uh, people got from boosters and, you know, whether they were quote pro or not pro or whether they were not an amateur, whatever. I mean, come on, look at that list. Uh, and yet he's the only one, uh, you know, banned for life. Are you kidding me? I mean, I said, what a joke. I mean, yeah, this is a total joke. And, uh, I, you would like to see some negotiations going on right now. I think that's a big mistake USC made, not taking the uh, Judge Shaller ruling and taking advantage of every way the NCA was exposed from 2012 on, and uh, and forcing the NCA uh, to you know come to its senses. And I think there are ways they could have done that, and and the idea that you know that they could ban Reggie for life uh, is, is an absolute, absolute joke. Uh, so, you know, I would agree with you. I think there needs, there needs to be a, a, a kind of negotiation going on parallel to the McNair trial uh, over the next year. And uh, I think that would be one of the things that USC should put on the table. And maybe with an offer that, look, we know how the McNair case probably is going to go. We know what it's going to do in terms of, you know, exposing the NCAA's, uh, you know, culpability here. 
and we may not decide to do anything, you know, in terms of litigation as a result of it. But here's what we would like for the NCA in order to agree not to pursue what comes out in the McNair case. And one of the things ought to be that Reggie Bush is allowed to be a part of the USC story uh, as USC chooses, not as the NCA chooses. It's not their choice. They've already done what they did in the Reggie Bush, you know, part of this case. And they lied. They made up evidence. And uh, they shouldn't have the ability to separate him from the tradition and history at USC uh, based on their own actions. They've disqualified themselves for having any say in, uh, in how Reggie Bush fits into USC football history. That's my take. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, I'd love to see someone inside the administration kind of put the NCAA's feet to the fire. We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe the Lin Swan administration a year or two down the road, he does that. I don't see it happening right now, but maybe it happens at some point. Yep. If only that person, if they just would listen to us, Ryan, if just, <laughs> just, just listen to us. Uh, yeah, we could go in there. Like, yeah, we got, we got hire a lot us, of Dan. answers here. Dan, they hire us. The, the Coliseum renovation would be way better. We would uh, oh my God. try to get USC out of the Pac-12 something, TV be deal. something in the war room about that also. Oh, uh. it, it, it gets worse. Uh, I don't even want to tell you what where it gets worse, but uh, uh, read the war room. Something to look forward to tomorrow morning in the war room. All right. Well, thanks, Dan, for coming on the show. Uh, lots of good stuff. We got to get to some of the questions, and uh, we'll see you out there practice a little bit later today. Yep, can't wait. All right. See ya. Thanks. That's Dan Weber. I hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Most people know that buying or selling real estate is no small undertaking. Understanding the market value of your home, pricing, advertising, closing, and perhaps even selling personal property along the way are all examples of the real estate journey. And Michael Moline Real Estate has the experience to help make that journey an enjoyable one. Southern California real estate inventories are at historic lows, so there is no better time than now to sell your residential property. Whether you're moving into a bigger home or downsizing, personal property is often a component of the real estate estate transaction. Michael Moline Real Estate has industry expertise to help you with both your real property and your personal property as you get ready to transition. Michael Moline Real Estate specializes in properties located on the west side of Los Angeles and the southern San Fernando Valley communities. Allow Michael Moline Real Estate to give you a free comparative market analysis and home valuation so you know how much your home is worth today. Contact Michael Moline at michaelmolinerealestate.com. That's Michael, M-O-L-I-N-E, realestate.com. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 